We're going to be learning the first Sicha for Parshas Ve'era. This Sicha is a phenomenal Rashi Sicha. <clears throat> and our style for this particular shir will be first to focus on the Parsha in general, how Rashi learns the Parsha. Then we will focus on the second option Rashi brings, which is the Drasha Rabbi Senu Darshu. Third, we will then focus on Rashi of Pasuk Tess, where Rashi brings a muscle of the idea of a patish, of a, patish a hammer which smashes a rock, through the idea of Medrash. And we'll discuss that at much length. So that would really be a, maybe even a second part of this year. So let's start. End of last week's Parsha, end of Pair K. Moshe tells Hashem, Lama Harayosa. Why, were, why did you do evil to this nation? Why did you send me? Because since I came to speak to Pari in your name, Pari increased the evil that he was doing to the people, and saving you did not save your people. So Moshe is complaining or questioning Hashem's uh, justice. So in the first Rashi, especially the Divrei David, from the Taz explains, that what exactly was Moshe Rabbeinu's taina, his question? Hashem told him initially, as soon as he got the job, that he is going to harden the heart of Pari uh, for the purpose of being marbe, the, the miracles, and in order to punish the Mitzrayim. So, so Moshe already knew that Pari is not going to agree right away to send the Yidin. Out. So why all of a sudden is he, after he meets his Pari and he is not successful, does he right away complain and question Hashem? So the Divri David explains that what Moshe Rabbeinu was complaining about was he knew that Hashem wasn't going to send, the, that, that Pari will not allow the Jewish people to go out. But he didn't think that he's going to start being worse to the Jewish people. He's going to bring them even more evil, to make their job even harder, to cause them even more suffering. That's what he didn't understand. Why all of a sudden, why is the job becoming worse? As he says in Pasuk that as soon as I came, he increased the evil that he was doing to the people. That was his question. And Moshe assumed that maybe it's because they don't deserve to be redeemed. Yes, you came to me that the Jewish people are supposed to be redeemed, but since the time that you came to me until this period of time, maybe the Yidin did have errors, and therefore they're not deserving to be freed. And the proof of this is, hey, the power is being even worse to the people. Why would he be worse to the people? It must be that they've done things which are wrong, therefore uh, things are getting worse for them. And if you question, why are you sending me? Why, sorry, if you question, why do I care? Why is Moshe being complaining, um, if they deserve punishment, then they deserve punishment. Just like Moshe Rabbeinu didn't complain when the Yidin were in slavery for many, many years, why all of a sudden he's complaining that things got worse. So therefore Moshe says, because why did you send me? That's another detail in the question, that why are you doing bad to the people? And why are you sending me? Meaning is why do I have to be the one? If they're deserving of getting a punishment, why am I being the one to be sent? Because we have a rule. That we, Hashem brings chusim 
or brings good merits to those who have merit, and he brings bad things to those who are deserving of bad things. And that also works, by the way, dates. Things, happy dates, good things occur. Sad dates like uh, Tishbab, bad things occur. So his question is, why, why are you sending me that? And that's what he's complaining about. So Hashem replies to him in the last Pasuk of the Pasha, the Atasira, that now you will see what I'm going to do with Tapare, because I'm going to send the Jewish people out with the Yad Chazaka, and Rashi tells us that Hashem is telling him that now you will see what I'm going to do to Pari, that, but you're not, but because you had, you, you thought, you questioned my, my Midas, you, try, you, you questioned my processes, not like Avram that I told him, and afterwards I tell him to bring up an Ayla, Avram was not meaning that Avram was in a similar situation. I told him, I gave him a promise that he'll have children. And then after he has this promise, all of a sudden he has to bring this child up for an Ayla. So, so I made it worse for him. If he never would have had a child, that's, that's a lot of suffering and pain not having children. But to have a child and then to have to kill that child, that's much, 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 much a much greater level of pain. But Avraham didn't question it. He didn't say, your promise is making things worse. But Moshe Rabbeinu, he did do that. He's saying it's because you gave me this promise, and I was sent in your name, things have gotten worse for the Jewish people. So therefore, <clears throat> therefore Hashem says, now you will see what's going to be done to Parai, but you will not see <clears throat> what will be done to the, the, to the kings, the 31 kings of the seven nations when I come to Eretz Yisrael. Meaning is, at this point, Moshe Rabbeinu still will go to Eretz Yisrael, but he will not see what will be done to those kings. He won't be there for the miracles. He won't be there for the complete uh, conquering of the land. We know that the conquering land took seven years, so he will not be able to be there. At least, uh, he won't be the leader, at least for the entire period of time. But at this point, he could still go to Israel. That's something like which he's going to lose later. Then we begin Parshas Ve'er, the first Pasuk. And the first Pasuk is very hard to understand. It reads like this. Hashem spoke to Maisha. And he said to him, I am Hashem. It says twice that he spoke. I, usually it says like this, but over here it breaks into two. Hashem spoke to Maisha, and then it says again, and he said to him, I am Hashem. It sounds like there's two conversations going on over here. So therefore Rashi tells us that, and this is, there's two ways to understand Rashi's uh, explanation over here. This is the Pshat, Shutei Shemikra, what Rashi's telling us. But the Re'em, and this is the way that the Rebbe learns in the Sicha, that Rashi is saying that Be'idabra Lekim Al-Maisha is going on to the end of the last Parsha. And then Me'yoyimra Allah Ani Hashem, that's a second conversation, which is continued, that conversation in the ongoing Psutim, Gimel, Dalet, Hey, Vav, Zayin, etc. What is it, what are the two conversations that are going on? So one of them is the end of last week's Parsha, that Moish Hashem, punish Moshe Rabbeinu, that he will not be able to see the conquering of the Malchei Eretz Canaan. And then, what is the reason for this? Because that Hashem was speaking with him in Mishpat, in judgment. Hashem was judging Moshe because he questioned Hashem and said, So why did he get that punishment? Because Moshe was, Hashem was judging Moshe for, for, what he, um, for what he asked and what his questioning on Hashem. And then the Pasuk continues, and then the Pasuk continues with the second topic is the actual answers to Moshe Rabbeinu's questions. Moshe Rabbeinu's question was, So now the Psukim are going to answer 
uh, these questions. The Mephorshim discussed according to Rashi which question was he answering. Was he just answering? Uh, was he answering the question? Was he answering both? I'm going to go with the Dibri David, what explains Rashi that he was actually answering both of those questions. He first, uh, from the end of Pasuk days until Pasuk Davi, answers while in Pasuk K, he's answering the question of Okay, so the question of again was was that Moshe Rabbeinu was assuming that he was asking, Why are you sending me? Since you're, you're not planning on redeeming, redeeming the Jewish people, then why am I being sent to, um, to, to be the one to give the bad message? He's assuming that that maybe the Jewish people did a sin, and therefore they're not deserving to be redeemed. So what, what Hashem is answering him in these psukim is that that's impossible. To say that there maybe was a chet, and therefore I cannot fulfill my promise to the others, that's something which is impossible to say. As he says, Hashem. He says, I am Hashem. What does the name Hashem mean? The name of Hashem means that he is trustworthy, that he will pay back the reward to those who go in front of him. I did not send you for nothing. Rather, you were sent to fulfill the words which I had said to the Avis Rashaim. And then Rashi continues with a few proofs for that, that Ani Hashem is used both for reward and for punishment. And we'll see why it's relevant that Ani Hashem is also being used for punishment. Why is, why is Rashi mentioning this now? We'll see that later. But what is, it, what is Rashi saying? He's saying this, that the name of Hashem, that is the name that's used to show that some, the promise that Hashem makes for reward or punishment will be fulfilled. Even if it could be hundreds of years later. The name of Yudke Bavke, the Guru Ari explains, he gives a few different shots, not just bring two of them. He says, one shot he gives is because the name Havaya, Yudke Bavke, means past, past, present, and future. He says, when do you not know if something is going to be fulfilled? When you're just looking, you don't know what the future is going to be. I know the past. The past has already happened. That's for sure happened. What happened, happened. The future, I don't know. He says, but Hashem, past, future, and present is all exactly the same thing. So when Hashem, Yudke Vavke, makes a promise, the future is as certain to happen as the past is certain to happen. Another interpretation he gets is that Yudke Vavke is the Shema Etzim of Hashem. That's the name that's used to describe or to express Hashem's essence, to express Hashem, the, the embers of Hashem. Meaning is that Hashem is the eternal uh, being, which is, uh, which is, he is Mechuyev someone that has, he who has to be, who, who will always be, who, he, who, he who has no body, he who is uh, infinite. That is what Yudke Vavke stands for. So he says, therefore, he says, when I give a promise with the name Yudke Vavke, or a promise that I give is, I should say, that, that Ani Hashem, that when the Ani Hashem, that I Hashem am trustworthy, even if it could take hundreds of years, that this thing will happen because Yudke Vavke is something is the Mitas Amis, is, is a revelation of the Shem's truth. And, he, and therefore, it's to the Abbas Harashayna. He says, I, and, I, and I gave a promise, I gave my word to the Abbas Harashayna. Why is Rashi to stressing that it was Abbas Harashayna? You just say the Abbas with me, Harashayna. He's trying to explain. That even according to your a first of all Ani Hashem Ani Hashem is eternal it's always true second of all who was the promise made to it was made to the Avi Sarishainim it wasn't made to people of this generation it was made to many generations the Avi Sarishainim from many generations ago so how could the sins of the children cause that I won't fulfill my I won't fulfill my word the promise wasn't made to the kids it was made to Avi Mavina and the Yitzchak and Yaakov so it was made to the Avi Sarishainim so for sure it will happen then Pasik uh, and it continues. That I, I appear to Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, 
with the name of the Kilshaka. Kilshaka means I made promises with the name Kilshaka. Kilshaka is the name that shows that Hashem has the ability to fulfill His word. Shaka means that Shaddai, that He has that He has the capabilities to give uh, whoever to do or to give whatever He needs to till there is enough. He has the power. He says, "I made these promises," and in general, unfortunately, he, they he he appeared to the Avis with Kilshaka, like. Whenever he, for example, by Yaakov Avinu, or let's say the miracles that he did for the Avramites of Yaakov, that they were able to see that Hashem had the capabilities to fulfill his words. So it's not that he did fulfill his words, but Kel Shakai always shows on the Yechoilis, the capability, the potential to fulfill his words. So all of the others saw the miracles that I have, and they know that I have control over nature, and therefore I have the capability to fulfill any promise that I make. So they know, they have, they know Kel Shakai. And I made this promise with Kel Shaka, and therefore they know that I have the capabilities to do it. But Shmi Hashem, Shmi Yudkei but they never recognizes the shame of Yudkei Vavke. It doesn't say they don't know it, because they didn't know it, because Hashem told it to them. Ere Lavram, Ere Yudkei Vavke, it says many times that he appeared with the name Yudkei Vavke. But what they didn't know is they never recognized, they weren't able to experience to have a Hargasha, to have a level of Das, that they know what Yudkei Vavke is. So they knew that Hashem's name was Yudkei Vavke, but to have an experience of Yudkei Vavke, that they never had. That he's Nenel Emes Devarai. Because even the promises, let's say for Yaakov, he had a promise that when he went to base Lavan, Hashem would protect him. And Kachave, he was protected. But that's not a revelation of, of Yudkei Vavke. Why? Because Yudkei Vavke means it's a Midasa Emes, which even something which doesn't look like it's going to happen, or something which might take hundreds of years that's going to happen, you can trust Hashem that it will occur. Therefore, usually, Ani Hashem is used for rewards and punishment where there's a shasha, there's a shasha, there's what, like, who's going to know if you had the right kavana when you did the mitzvah or when you did that there? Who's going to know or who's going to know if this reward is going to be fulfilled when you do the right thing? So it's Ani Hashem, you can trust Hashem that He will give this reward and punishment, even if it's a long time coming. What happened to Yaakov and the others is something which happened right away. They gave a promise, and you can clearly see within the next few years that it's going to be occurring. But they never experienced shame, Yudke Vavke, the union of Emes, which where is the union of Emes really revealed? It's not revealed when something happens right away within the next few years. It's when it takes many generations for that thing to happen. That they never experienced the true idea of Yudke Vavke. Then Pasigdal, he says, He says, an additional reason why you can't say Shema Yigram, maybe they're not deserving anymore. Because I made a bris. I made a, a bris with them to give them the land of Eretz Canaan, the land that they were sojourning in. Hashem made a bris. So if Hashem makes a bris, how could Shema Gar cannot take away a bris that he made? The bris that he made initially, of course, was the bris Ben Absarim, where he says, I'm going to uh, judge them. Uh, they're going to be in a land which is not theirs for 400 years. And they will uh, be oppressed there. And eventually they'll go out free with a great, great rewards. And the, the nation that they're in will be judged. So I made a bris with them. And he also made a bris, as Rashi tells us, with, with each of them. With Avram and Yitzhak Yaakov. So in addition to the bris Ben Hamsarim, there was also a bris, bris which was made with each of them. By the bris Mila, by Yitzchak, Yaakov, and all of them were used. It was a bris with name Shem Yudke Vavke. The portion I want to say is that even if you want to say that since Hashem made this promise with Kael Shakai, maybe it doesn't, need, it doesn't have that same level that it's for sure going to happen. So I want to say that the difference between the name of Kael Shakai and Yudke Vavke is that Yudke Vavke is the Mida of Emes. So it's for sure going to happen. But since the promise was made with Kael Shakai, then maybe Kael Shakai could be dependent on a Tanai. 
So therefore, he says there's also a bris. Even if you want to say that, there's also a bris. So in the bris, for sure, this is going to be permanent. Other proportion want to say that even kel shakai is something that uh, uh, the difference between kel shakai and yudkei vavke is not that one will happen, one will not happen. It's rather just different revelations of Hashem. Kel shakai just means the capability that Hashem has, while yudkei vavke means the endless that this will for certain happen. So they don't like that idea that he needed a bris to show that it's for sure going to happen. Rather, it's an additional thing. In addition to that, it's Shem Yudke In addition to that, the promise was made to the office. How could the gramachit of the children make any effect? In addition to that, there was also a bris that I made with them. And then Pasuket continues that I also heard the cries of the Bnei Israel, that the Mitzrayim, that they cry, that the Mitzrayim are enslaving them. And I'll remember the bris. As Rashi explains, what is this gam? So the initial gam was that in addition to Hashem making a promise to them, there's also a bris. Here is the gam. Since I made this bris and I made this promise, therefore gam, on me, there's also on me an obligation to fulfill it. So the gam over here is not, uh, it's, it's also I, it's like the outcome. Since I said what I said earlier, therefore also upon me there's an obligation to listen to the cries of the Bnei Yisrael. Why is listening to the cries of the Bnei Yisrael connected to the Bris that he made with Avram Yitzchak that he's going to give them Peret Yisrael. He says, the reason is, because I'm going to remember the bris. The initial bris that Hashem made was the bris by Hapsar. That was the initial bris that Hashem made with Avram Yitzchak that he's going to get Eretz Yisrael. And in that bris was said that they're going to serve this nation. They're going to be a land which is not there for 400 years and they're going to be in slavery. So he said that in order for them to get Eretz Yisrael, they need to fulfill the conditions which are in the bris. The conditions were that they were enslaved. Therefore, he says, now, the fichach, therefore, since I have an obligation to make sure that these, the children of Yitzhak get the land, therefore, I listened to the cries, and I saw that they fulfilled the condition of serving another nation and suffering, and therefore, I remember the bris, I have an obligation to free them. Pasuk Vav continues, therefore, lachen, go to the B'nai Yisrael and tell them, I'm going to I'm going to take them out, I'm going to save them, I'm going to redeem them, I'm going to take them to me as a nation, and they will know that I'm Hashem, and I'm going to bring them into Eretz Yisrael. That is the first way of learning Rashi, uh, learning, sorry, the Pesukim. And this is the Pshutei Shemikra of Rashi. Rashi gives two interpretations. The first one is the Pashat Shat. And just to repeat it, uh, uh, is that the first part of the Pasuk, Vidavu Lekim Moshe, is part of the Toichacha, the rebuke of the prior Parsha, that in addition to saying that you will get punished, our Parsha says, why did you get punished? It's because Hashem was speaking, was judging. In Vidavu Lekim, there's a mean of judgment going on over here. Stam the Gurariya says, how do we know it's Midas Elakim? Not always when we have an Indian of Din. We mentioned the Indian of Elakim, do we say that it's a Midas Din? He says, but over here it has to be Din. And it has to be a Din in a way of deeper Kasha. He says, because Vidaber means to speak harshly. Elakim is always the Midas Din. And they're both being put together, which is only happens three times in Tyra. Usually in Tyra, it says Vidaber, but there will also be a so there's the Yadaber that Hashem spoke, but Lamar means he spoke softly. So the Yadaber is more the articulation, the capability to speak clearly, while Lamar is more the, the toichen, the, the, the message to be received. So when it says both, it's to say that there was, the message was clear but soft. That it was about the message. When it just says the Yadaber, let's say the Yadaber Hashem, then it could be a Lashon of Kasha or a Lashon of Panim al Panim, Hashem speaking directly to you. Because again, it has to be something which is a clear, articulated words. So if it doesn't say a lay more, then that means is what we're focusing is on actual words, which could be good or for bad. If it's good, it's the idea of Panim al Panim, that there were clear words being spoken face to face. 
It wasn't just an idea which was given over to, to Moshe. Um, when, when it says lay more, then, then it was in a, in a softer way or more of an idea. Um, and similarly, when it says v'yoymer elikim, so elikim always means a way of mishpat. When it says v'yoymer elikim, it means that the way of mishpat of Hashem was said in a soft way. So it was, it was elikim, it was mishpat, but it was in a soft way. When it says v'yadavr elikim, it means the mishpat was said in a harsh way. So therefore, what is this mishpat that was said in a harsh way? That was what we said in the end of last week's parasha, that, that Hashem was judging Moshe Rabbeinu, and the judgment was, uh, because he said Lama Harei, so that he's not going to be able to see what happens with the Malchi Khan. And then the end of Pasik Bays, Gimel and Dalit, and hey, Dalit is about answering Moshe Rabbeinu's questions and answers Lama Shlachani, why was this that you sent me? Uh, maybe, you know, uh, if, if you're anyways not going to redeem the Jewish people, because Shama Garmachet, why you sent me? So they answer that there is no such thing as Garmachet um, when it comes to the name of Hashem, Yudkei Vavkei, and when we're talking about when there was a bris, and when we're talking about the Talal V'Sever Shainim, and then Pasuk Hay actually answers the next question of Lama Harei Oisalamazeh. It why are you making things worse? Is why are you making things worse? It's because part of the bris was that they needed to have a certain amount of slavery, and I guess that, that measurement of slavery and suffering wasn't fulfilled yet. Therefore, Hashem needed to make it worse in, or, in order that they should fulfill whatever measurement of, of suffering they needed to have in order that they should be, be able to be brought out. Stam, the Mephoshi Rashi don't mention it, at least not the ones I saw, is but we know that they're supposed to be in Mitzrayim for 400 years. The Pail, they're only there for 210 years. So the reason, one of the answers which is given, and I think Rabbi, the Rabbi even brings this for Pshut HaShemikra in a different Sicha, is because the suffering that they had was so much worse. Since the suffering was so bad, therefore 210 years could be equal to 400 years of slavery. So the 210 was equal to the 400. Uh, so either way, that would be answering, Pasuk is answering Lama Isa. Why'd it have to be worse? Because they need to fulfill the union of suffering, which is in the Brisbane Masarm, and now you'll be able to be redeemed. And then it says, based on that, that you have a reason why I'm being sent, and you have a shluchas, and the shluchas will be fulfilled. Therefore, go tell the Jewish people what needs to be said. That is the first way of Rashi learning. Just to point out, um, you know, some questions. Why Rashi needs, why the Rashi brings the Medrash? So there are two problems with this chat. The first problem is that it's, it's just, it's, it's unusual that in one Pasuk you have two conversations going on. One is Vidab Elohim spoke with him harshly and that's connected to last week. And then Yirmo Lavani Hashem is just a regular conversation where Hashem is giving him answers to the questions that he had. Usually a, one Pasuk, a Pasuk is one idea. So to have two totally separate ideas in one pasuk is not uh, is not really so gushmak. Second of all, in our situation, the first part of the pasuk is actually connected to last week's parsha. So it's just strange. Why would why would last week's parsha end off with Atasir, where Hashem is giving him a rebuke, and then this week's parsha tells us that the sorry the punishment that he got in last week's parsha is because he had a judgment with Hashem. He was, he judged him. Shouldn't that have all been together? Atasira and Vyamir Lakim is one idea, it should have been put together. Why are you separating it and putting it into two different parshiyas? Strange. Regarding the first question of how can you have two opposing ideas in one Pasik, um, there is an answer for that. Before we get to the Rebbe's answer, the answer that uh, the Guru Arya gives, he wants to say, is is really going on that on last week's parsha and this week's parsha, meaning his pasuk base is really a continuation of last week, but also connects to the next part. Meaning is that last week you got the punishment, and then this week continues 
with that Hashem spoke harshly to him when he gave him the answers of So last week's parsha was about the punishment, and then this week's parsha is about giving the answers to his questions, but it starts, it splits it in two, and it says in the Lashon, Vidabar Lakima Moshe has to tell us that the answers that Moshe Rabbeinu was going to get from Hashem, which is talk a different idea than the punishment, so therefore could be, that makes sense to be in a different parsha, it was said in an oifn of kasha, it was said in a way of toichacha. When he, when he learns Rashi, when he says, it doesn't mean that he was speaking with him in judgment, rather he says he was speaking to him in toichacha. Mishpat could sometimes be an illusion of, of, of Musr, giving him rebuke. So he spoke with him in a rebuking way when he said these ideas, in, in a harsh tone, not in a teacher-student type of way, explaining to him uh, you know, ha, 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 the answers to his questions. Uh, the Rebbe does not like, uh, he says he doesn't, he says Rashi, but he says Mestimus Lashon Rashi, it's more mashma like the first approach, which was the approach of the rain, because Rashi does not say that that it's continuing on to the rest of the parsha. All Rashi said was, that Rashi only sounds like he spoke with him Mishpat. doesn't say what that Mishpat is. And he says the Mishpat was regarding what he said in last week's parsha, he doesn't say anything that all the next, the upcoming Sukkim, or also in a way of Kashi. He just says, Dibor Oisa Mishpat, doesn't say what it is. So it sounds like he spoke with him Mishpat, and then the, the next part of the other Psukim will be, as we learned before, that he's just answering the questions. Because it doesn't say that Dibur, that all the following, like the next following Psukim, or he answered him in a way of Mishpat. It sounds like he was speaking to him in Mishpat, as the Re'im was saying, that he would speak with him in judgment. But either way, you know, you do have that other explanation in the Gerariya that at least the first question can be answered. But the other problem is, why is it being split um, into two parshias? Why would the Teichacha be split? If it's all Teichacha, why would it be split? Uh, again, the question is definitely strong according to the Re'im, where it's literally just the first part of the Pasuk. Ashenkin, according to the Gerariya, where it's speaking everything in the continuing Pasuk in the way of Teichacha, you could give an answer, as I said before, that it could be in a different parsha because that was the punishment, while here it's giving answers, but it was an oifn of teichacha. But either way, that's the first, these are the problems which are on the Pasha shot of Rashi, to say uh, that V'yirmer Lavani Hashem is really uh, like, like a, an Indian B'Pneatzmai is a continuation of last week's parsha, while V'yirmer Lavani Hashem is the end of last week's is a new Indian. Therefore, Rashi gives another interpretation, which is the Medrash, Rabbi Seinu Darshan. He says that the first three Pesukim, Pasuk Beis Gimel Dalet of our Parsha, is, is all a continuation of last week's Parsha. That when Hashem gave him, punished him at the end of this week's Parsha, he continues in our Parsha to rebuke him, to tell him what he did wrong. That, and he tells him that I, Ani Hashem, and you experienced when you asked me, you asked me my name. You asked me, Mashmai, what is the name? When the people ask me, what is your name? You ask me, Mashmai. When the people ask me what his name is, what should I tell them? Which means that Moshe Rabbein wasn't just asking for the people that they should know who, what the name of Hashem is. It was a question of what is the Midah that you're going to use to redeem them? So he had a question of why they deserve it. Or how do we know that you're going to redeem the Jewish people? Similar to what we're saying is that he wasn't so certain that the redemption would actually happen. So he's asking Mashmai, how are we going to be certain? There was a certain suffix, will Hashem keep his word? Therefore he's asking, what, what attribute are you going to be revealing to ask? It depends on what the attribute is, will it happen or not? 
And therefore, he tells them that Avram Yitzhak Yaakov, I only revealed Kelshake to them. And they never asked me what my name Yudke Vavke is. They never had this spacus, will I keep my word or not? And, you know, be dependent on what Mida or what name I'm using. And second of all, he says in Pasuk Dal, that I fulfill my, that I have Kimoisi. I have to fulfill the bris that I made with them to give them Eretz Kalan, the land which they were sojourning in. Which he was hinting to again another Indian, which was that they were living, I promised to give them Eretz Kanan. But nonetheless, they were just strangers there. Asher Gorba, and Rashi gives examples. Avram Abinu had to buy Mars Machpela for a large sum of money. Yitzchak, there was all the uh, court cases uh, regarding the wells that he dug. We had Yaakov, we had to use Meksita, these high-level quality coins, in order to buy a field in Shechem. But they never complained. Like, oh, you gave us the land, but we're not only are we not being treated like a, like a resident, we're being treated like a gear, even worse. They, they never complained. But, but you did complain. And that's what these Pesukim are telling us. That Vidar Elkim, so it makes sense. Vidar Elkim Amaisha, that Moshe is, uh, Hashem is speaking to him in a way of rebuke. And he tells them that uh, I'm Hashem, that I reveal to you in, in the way of Hashem. When you asked about the Avos, they only had a revelation of Kelshaka, and they never asked me for the name of Yudke Vavke. And also the bris that I made to them with the land of Canaan, they, even though they had that bris, nonetheless, they lived there in a way of sojourning. And then Kevav Zion is, is a new, new, new topic. The Gamani Shvati, he said, then he says, also I've heard the cries of the Bnei Israel, that the Mitzrim are um, enslaving them. And I'm going to re- remember the bris of the bris ben Sarim. And therefore, since I'm going to remember this bris of the bris ben Sarim, that, that I'm going to take them out of Mitzrayim, and I'm going to bring them to Israel. Therefore, tell the Bnei Israel, I'm going to take them out of the, the slavery of Mitzrayim. I'm going to save them and redeem them, and I'm going to bring them to Israel. So Rashi says, that the medrash is any messiah mikra, that there's a few there's many issues with this medrash. Issue number one is it doesn't say anywhere that the obvious didn't ask me about the name of Hashem. It says that they didn't know the shame of Hashem. It doesn't say that the obvious didn't uh, the obvious didn't uh, the obvious never asked me. Where does it say that in the Tsukim? Tsukim. That's not Shutish Mikra. It's a medrash. The medrash is telling you when it says Shri Hashem them that the name of Hashem I didn't recognize it also Part of the conversation was, which is not written in the Pasek, is that they, didn't, they also didn't ask me what the name of Hashem was. But that doesn't say that in the Pasek. And furthermore, there's no connection between Pesukim Beis Gimodalet and Pesukim Hei Vav Zayin Chas Tes. Two totally separate things. One of them is rebuke. And then there's another thing, which is, ta- tell, is giving Moshe a totally different message, that tell the Bnei Yisrael I'm going to redeem them because of the bris. But there's literally no connection between these two parts at least according to, again, the Pshut HaShem there's a stronger connection between the two bars of Sukkim. One was the Toichicha Le'as Nelamar Eisa, while the Yemar Le'as Nelamar is part of the answer that Moshe Rabbeinu is getting. Here there's literally no connection. One is about Toichicha, and then there's a, a second message that he's supposed to give to the Jewish people that they're going to be redeemed. It doesn't even break it up as a second parsha, or that HaShem spoke to Moshe again. So therefore Rashi says that this second shot is not Messiah of Acher Mikra. So he brings it because it answers at least the questions that, that we brought up earlier. That is a hemshech, it's, it's a continuation. It's not two to, totally different ideas in one pasuk. But it doesn't answer, but as we said, we have other issues in the psukim. Therefore, it's not Messiah Acher Mikra, it does not fit in the psukim. But nonetheless, he says, um, Finishes off. Therefore, I say that we need to to answer or to explain the pasuk according to the simple interpretation. 
each one according to its proper sequence, meaning is it can't just be, it fits, this shot will fit based on one or two things which are in the psukim, but rather has to fit with all the psukim, and this one doesn't. Masha'in came the first shot, even though there's some difficulties, by the end of the day, it fits, it, it does fit. You could give an explanation of what it means, even though there are some shverikaitin, but the shverikaitin is not such a shverikait that there's no possible explanation for it. Are my words not like fire, says Hashem, and like a rock which splits, uh, a hammer which splits rock, which is broken up and split into many sparks. Okay, so those are the two uh, interpretations Rashi brings. And you know the mile of each one. The first one had issues, so he has the, the, uh, the Medrash, the Medrash has even bigger issues, and therefore, ultimately, it's the Pashib shot, which is the uh, main shot. The Shilas that we can ask on this shot is that why is Rashi bringing it? If the Medrash is not the Siyash of Akhar Mikra because of many reasons, it's not the Derek of Rashi to bring a shot and then upshlag it. If it doesn't fit according to Pshutish Mikra, he doesn't bring it at all. And the Rabbi gives an interesting clause. He says, sometimes you might have in a Pasuk that there's a question in the Pasuk, in the Lashon of the Pasuk, you know, the extra word, the tense of the word, you know, there's something which is, doesn't fit, and the Pshat doesn't answer why that word was used. Meaning is that even though the Pshat could say, it could explain the word, explain the idea in a general sense, but why exactly was this tense or, or this extra word used, it could have said it in a better way. So it's not necessarily, so Pshat has explanation of what is the Pasuk trying to say, but still, it, it, there's something additional in the Pasuk, which is there's a shverikat which the Pshat cannot take care of. So Rashi, and, and, and Rashi will have a medrash which explains it, but this medrash doesn't fit according to the Pesukim at all. So what Rashi say is there's a medrash that explains it. But he won't actually tell you the medrash. Why? Because since the medrash doesn't fit according to the Pshut HaShemikra, it doesn't fit according to the actual words of the Pasuk, he won't bring it. He tells you to look it up so, you can, so you'll know that this is Pashat Pshat. And why does it use this particular word? It, you know, to render on a medrash. But over here, Rashi does bring the pshat. Why? And then he upshugs it. Just this. Second of all, why is Rashi bringing this idea of that the medrash is like a hammer, that, that, that the words of Hashem are like a hammer which breaks a rock, and therefore there's many different interpretations in our pasik. There's interpretation of pshat, there's interpretation of medrash, and it's all Torah. Isn't that posture? Like, why is Rashi telling us that? He's trying to tell us that Medrash is also Taira. That's not, we know this already. This is something which is obvious. Rashi doesn't need to tell us. And if for whatever reason he does need to tell us that even the Medrash is also Taira and it's a proper shot in the Pasik, he should have brought this already in Parashas Barashas. The first time he brought a Medrash, where Rashi said in Barashas, he says, I'm only coming to the Var the Pshutesh and Mikra. And there's many Drushas which we have on the Psukim, but that's not my union to explain every Medrash. My union is to explain Shut the so should have brought right there that even though it's not my union to bring every medrash or to explain the drushim, but the medrash is also Torah because it's a kapatashif with the Why is he bringing it here? Our impartial the Ayur, bring it right, right away at the beginning. Third question we can ask on Rashi is, is what exactly is being smashed over here? So Rashi tells us it's like a, a hammer, which literally means like a hammer which smashes a rock, which is divided into many sparks. Mishal, the common divided into many sparks. So what exactly is being smashed? 
So the first interpretation is what I already said. Learn the pasuk of It's the rock that's being smashed. And if we look at Rashi on the Gemara, this idea of kapata shiputzasel is brought in a few places in the Gemara. Rashi explains as a rock. In the Gemara in Shabbos, <clears throat> Gemara tells us that when Hashem said the Ser Sedibris, those words, the Ser Sedibris were translated into the 70 Lashinus, 70 languages. And it brings the Pasuk, Kapatish that just like a Patish is Mishalik, um, I think maybe the Lashon over there was Lakam and it's just like the Patish is Mishalik. So, so too, we have the, so also Torah, also the, the words of Hashem were also Mishalik. Just like this patish is breaks into many sparks. Also, every word that went out of Hashem's mouth was nechalik l'shivim l'shaynis. So Rashi says, what does it mean the, the patish is nechalik? It means the patish is nechalik something else. The patish is divides and breaks the rock. So just like a patish breaks a rock, also the words of Hashem were divided into 70 languages. So Tosis asks on the Gemara, that Rashi's Lashem doesn't fit with the Lashem of the Gemara, because the Gemara says, Ma'at that it says, thus like this hammer is divided, it does break, or another Gersa is Nishalik, that it's breaking into uh, many Akama uh, Netzutzais. So it's Mashmah that the hammer itself is breaking. So that's the first question that the Taisus asked, that from the Lashem of the Gemara, it's Mashmah that the Patish is breaking. But in addition to that, there's also Gerari asks, <coughs> That it's not a great comparison between the word of Hashem and the hammer. Because the word of Hashem, it itself is being translated into seven Lashinas. Mashainkin by the hammer, the hammer is not being translated or breaking. No, the hammer is breaking a rock into many pieces. So it's not a great comparison. We're saying that the word of Hashem is like a patishala. It's just like this rock. It's just like this hammer that breaks the rock. It's not like the hammer, it's more like the rock. The word of Hashem is like the rock, just like a rock can be split into many pieces. Also, the word of Hashem is split into 70 languages. So it's not a great comparison, the Gurariya says. So therefore, we come to a second interpretation, but this is the interpretation of Toysfus on the Gemara, and some bring this also for Rashi. They have a different Gersa in Rashi uh, on, on the Chumash. They have the Gersa, not like us. We have, our Gersa is just that it's Kapata Shiputzasela, which is broken to many sparks. It doesn't say what's being broken to many sparks. It just says it breaks into many sparks. But when you look on the the, the Gemara, this other gear set actually says, just like a patish, it breaks into many sparks. So it says clearly that it's the patish that's breaking. So that, according to that gear it sounds like Rashi's, at least could be learning like Taisus. So the second way of learning it is like Taisus learns that what's being broken the marshal Rashi's bringing is just like the, the hammer, which smashes a rock. And as Thaisis explains, we're not talking about a regular rock. We're talking about like a, a very hard rock, like a diamond, that's extremely tough. That when you smash it, the hammer will break. So who within the words of Hashem uh, break into the seventy languages? And the Thaisis brings a proof. He brings a medrash. It's, there was a medrash about this individual that um, took a diamond, uh, he calls it a sampiran, I'm translating as a diamond, maybe it means something else, but a hard rock, a sampiran, puts it on top of his, uh, the, the anvil, takes a hammer and smashes the rock, and the, the hammer smash, breaks, and the anvil breaks, but the rock, the diamond stays strong. And then that brings the pasik, this is what the pasik means, kapatashifutzasela, like the hammer, which is being smashed by the rock. So he brings a medrash that translates kapatashifutzasela, is that the hammer is being broken, and he says, what's the proper way of reading the Pasuk? It's not 
you have to read it as kapatish yafutsu sala, like kapatish when it's being smashed through the rock. So that's how Tesis learns it, and they want <coughs> so. And we also have another Gemara in Sanhedrin, <coughs> which is relevant. That the Gemara says, just like you have the patish, the patish which um, breaks the rock, also the words or the p- words of Hashem or the psukim of Hashem are able to be divided into many ta'amim, many reasons. Meaning is that one pasik or one idea in the Torah could have many different uh, reasons behind it. This is Gemara in Sanhedrin, Lamedalet, Lamedalet. And this is what it says. So give me one moment. Um, even one pasuk could yield many teachings. Same idea. The problem with this this shot of places is, first of all, it's not the simple interpretation of the pasuk. I mean, pasuk shot of pasuk shifutz itself, of course, is that the hammer is breaking the rock. But in addition to that, it's hard to say this shot on Rashi because Rashi is coming to explain the pshutah and he's coming to explain it. For even a, a chamish lemikra, anybody could read it and understand what he's referring to. But this is why would anybody think that's the pshat? A, that's not the simple interpretation of the pasuk. So if Rashi's learning the pasuk differently, he's learning like Tosis. That means you know he should have said that. He has to say that over here. It means the the, the hammer. Because why would we assume that it means the hammer by just reading the Rashi? You wouldn't if you didn't know the Tosis, you wouldn't have assumed it meant the hammer. Furthermore, when it says a rock, why would you thought the rock means a diamond? A cellar means a regular rock. What happens when you take a hammer and smash it on a rock? The rock breaks. So we're telling you, no, it's not a regular rock, it's a diamond. How is anybody reading Rashi supposed to know that he's talking about a diamond? It's, that's not the mashmoyis of Rashi. Therefore, it's hard to say this pshat in Rashi, especially according to Argirsa, where it doesn't even say mapatish that. Then there's a third pshat. This is brought by the Gerari and others. Nice pshat. He says like this. That when you take a hammer and you smash it on the rock, sparks come out of the hammer. So the comparison is just like the word Habashem. It's not the word itself which divides into 70 languages. No, it's the word of Hashem is translated into 70 languages. Or the word of Hashem, there's many, or the pas, that Pasik, there's many reasons on the Pasik. The Pasik's not being divided. We're saying there's many reasons and, way, and many teachings on this Pasik. So same thing over here. We have the hammer. It's not the hammer. The hammer is the Dvar Hashem, it's being comparable. The hammer isn't breaking. It's no, it's from the hammer, many sparks come out. Just like from the word of Hashem, many teachings can be learned from it. Same thing, from the hammer, there's many sparks that can come from it. So that's how he wants to learn uh, what's going on. So therefore, he, Rashi's basically saying that just like a hammer, there's many sparks that come from the hammer. Similarly, in the Pasuk, at one Pasuk, you can have many teachings, a teaching of Pshat and a teaching of Medrash. But even according to this uh, interpretation, there, there's some problems. First of all, the first problem is the implication of the Pashup shot of the Pasuk is Kepatashifutsusela is that what's being smashed, it's the hammer which is smashing the rock. Not that by the hammer hitting the rock, sparks come out. We're talking about the hammer smashing the rock. So it's, it's, it's hard to, that doesn't work so well. 
Shama Pasik is that the Sela is the one that's being smashed, not sparks coming out of the hammer. So again, if, if Rashi means that, he should tell us that's what, what he means. And second of all, the Lashon of Rashi is that it's Meschalik, that it becomes divided. Not that it's Mechalik. Mechalik means um, that it's dividing something else or <clears throat> sparks are coming from it. When you say Mishalik, it means that the thing itself is dividing, not that the thing itself is staying full. And then there's sparks that are coming out from there. You have to use, a, you should use the words, I guess, Yotzimimenu. Like the Patish Yotzimimenu in the Tzutzah. It's not Mishalik, Mishalik, um, that it's divided into sparks. So Lashon was Mishalik Lekamen Tzutzah. It should say Yotzim something like that. But Mishalik means that itself is being divided. But according to the Gurari, it's not being divided. It's staying full. It's just that there's sparks that are coming from it. End of the shir, the, the Rebbe gives two hours over here, 33 star, 34, where he goes into some ways of explaining Alderech, uh, the Gurariye. There's also the Pshat of the Re'im. But I'm going to hold off to the end of the shir. I'm going to do a few hours of different ways of learning these Pesukim, but those are the three main ways of understanding the passage. But the point is, we have Let's just, we have three questions on this muscle of Rashi. Question number one is, why is Rashi bringing this whole drush of the uh, Chachamim? If it's not Messiah, it's not the derech of Rashi to bring a pshat and then upshlag it. Um, two, why is he bringing the chalal, the muscle of the patish over here? If we need to tell us that the medrash is Torah, bring it the first time he men- mentions a medrash. And three, we're trying to understand is what exactly is being smashed. Is it the, ro- is it the hammer, the rock being smashed? Is it the hammer that's smashing, or is it there sparks that are exploding from the, that are coming out from the hammer? And Rashi doesn't tell us, and we know Rashi's supposed to say things clearly, and there's, such, there's a three-way machlekes of what it means, and Rashi doesn't bother telling us. He's supposed to write it clearly for a child to read. Furthermore, in the Gemara, in Shabbos, Pechas, he does tell us what it means. He tells them it means that the rock is being crushed. So in Gemara, which is for a 15-year-old, he has to tell us that what's the object breaking, it's the rock. But over here, he doesn't tell us what's being broken. Hard to understand. So the explanation. Explanation is. We have to look at how Rashi describes the mushal and see how he changes the words the mushal, how he describes it here, and how the Gemara describes it in the Sefer Shabbos, and Sanhedrin, and also how Rashi himself describes it when he brings it in Parshas Vayishlach. And by the differences of how he brings the mashal, we can understand how he is learning this mashal, and that the item that's being smashed is so obvious that he doesn't need to tell you because it's implied within his words. Because when you're learning Rashi correctly, then the understanding of what's breaking or what's smashing, what the sparks are coming from, is, is, is clear. So as you look at Rashi, there's two main differences that we see. First of all, in the Gemara, it doesn't bring the full Pasuk. It just brings Kepata Shifutz Tzala. Mashiach in Rashi brings the full Pasuk. Why is Rashi bringing the full Pasuk while the Gemara doesn't bring it? And, and as Rabbi explains, the, the, the main question really is on the words Neum Hashem. I could say the reason why he brings a light Koy Devarai is because Rashi is trying to tell us that the words of Hashem are like a, like a hammer that breaks... That, that there's many sparks, meaning there's many interpretations. So he has to tell us that, you know, we're talking about the Devar Hashem, we're talking about the Torah, fine. But why the words that it's like a fire? The words like, like, like a fire just needs to actually, should just said, Aloy Kodvar Keesh, Vagaymer, Kepat, that she puts a We know that the words of Hashem are like the hammer. 
And the Gemara Taka doesn't bring, only brings the end of the Pasuk. Also in Parshish Vayishlach, in Parshish Vayishlach, it, it's talking over there that, that Yaakov made him his Bech to thank Hashem. So the Pasuk says, that he called it the God, Kael, the God of Yaakov. So what does that mean? That he called him his Bech God? So Rashi gives two interpretations. The first shot is he doesn't mean he's calling the Mizbeach God. Rather, the Mizbeach is getting this name to remind us of the miracle, meaning he's giving the Mizbeach the name, saying that the God uh, who has the capabilities and the power to save me, who has the who has the to save, he is my God. Yeah, let's get the Pasuk out. Um, yeah, so it's like this. The Pasuk, uh, Rashi tells us that um, that he's calling his Beach by the name of the miracle to remind him of the, the Shabbat HaVashem, meaning it's he who is, he who is Kale, meaning HaKadosh Baruch that he who is Kale, he is my God. And who am I? I'm Yisrael. So, so sorry, the Rosh Hashanah that he called the Mizbeach not that the Mizbeach is God, but rather he's saying that Hashem, who protects me, is, is my God, is the Elokei Yisrael. So, Kael, Kaddish Baruch, is Elokei Yisrael. So, 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 not that the Mizbeach is the God, but rather it's being called that name to remind him that Hashem is his God, the one that protects him. Then he brings a second shot. He brings a shot from Rabbi Sainim Darshu. That it's a Kaddish Baruch Hu that's calling Yaakov Kale. Hashem calls him Kale. And it doesn't drive, I won't go into exactly what that means, but basically the idea is that Yaakov has a certain levels of power. That Hashem is calling him Kale, uh, that he has a certain level of power in this world. Like, anyway, then he continues, if you ever take a itself out, that words of the Torah are like a hammer which breaks the rock, doesn't bring the full Pasuk just to end. And then he tells us, Meschalkin Lakamet Ta'amim, that are broken into many different explanations, I'm coming to explain the simple interpretation. Meaning is that Rashi over there tells you what the nimshal is. He says, Kapatish puts a cell, and then he says, what is the nimshal? Is that the divrei taira, this pasik of Yisrael, is like, is able to be divided into many different explanations. So over there he gives the nimshal. It's mishalk and lakam Our pasik, he doesn't give the nimshal. No. All he tells us is, it's mishalk and lakam the, the Rebbe does point out in Ha'ar that there are some versions, but there is the nimshal. There's some versions, not the main one, but there is a version that says that similarly, divrei taira are like, similarly, divrei taira, that they could be nechalik lekamatamin, that there are some Rashi's that have the version that also divrei taira are able to be broken into many explanations or many sparks. So there are some versions that do tell us the nimshal. But the version that we have doesn't tell us the, the nimshal, just tells us nishat lekamatamin that it's divided into many sparks. So what, 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 why, why are these two differences? So the Rebbe explains, it's because one difference really explains the, explains the second one. Both of these differences are really interconnected. So in our Rashi, Rashi's learning that what is it that's, what, what, what is it that's splintering or dividing into sparks? That's, that's the fire. The Pasik says, Haloi uh, are not my words, meaning the Psukim, the Torah. Is it not like fire? 
So we're saying that the, the Torah is the psukim, the Torah is like a, like a fire. And it's like a patish which breaks uh, a stone into many sparks. So we're talking about the fire. And then Rashi finishes off. So what does that mean? That it's mischalat, that this fire is able to be divided into lekamen etzutais. That the fire is being divided into many sparks. So according to Rashi, we're ta- he brings the beginning of the Pasuk because he's trying to tell you that what is the Dvar Hashem? The Dvar Hashem is fire. So the Dvar Hashem is like fire and like a hammer. Meaning is it's like the fire that, that, um, that sparks come from it. But, and, and, and it's also like the hammer that well, sparks are coming from it. Like, meaning it's like the fire that it's not two different items. It's not that there's a, there's a hammer and then there's a rock and the rock is being broken into many pieces. No, it's like the fire that the sparks come from it itself. So it's like the fire that the sparks come from it, but it's like the hammer that there are sparks that are, that are, that are, that are showering around. So it's not mamish like a, two items, like, the, like, a, like a hammer which breaks a rock, but it does, is like the hammer that it's able to break something. It's not breaking something else, because it's because the word of Hashem is a fire. So when the fire combusts, it doesn't com- necessarily combust something else, but it itself is combusting and there are sparks coming from it. So that's how Rashi is learning it. So therefore that answers that third question, wh- what is the item that's being broken? And why is this relevant over here? That was the other question. Why does Rashi have to bring it? Why, why is that relevant? Because what Rashi is trying to tell us is that, <clears throat> and, and we'll explain it in a moment, is that the pshat, what's interesting in our Pasuk is that there's a pshat and then there's a medrash, but the pshat, there's a connection between the two. That over here, it's not two different fruition, that you have a pshat, like for example, by the mizbeach. Pshat is that it's just the name of a mizbeach. Other pshat is, no, it's nothing to do with the mizbeach. Hashem is calling Yaakov by the name of Kael. That Hashem, meaning Hashem calls him Kael, calls Yaakov Kael. Who did this? Elokei Yisrael. Elokei Yisrael called him Kale. So Yaakov's name is Kale. These two two totally different perversion. But over here, what we're saying is that the Pshat itself is actually saying that there's a Medrash, that the Medrash finishes or adds uh, and complements, not just complements, but is interdependent and, uh, and, <coughs> and completes the Pshat as we will. And that's why Rashi has to bring it. Why does Rashi bring it if you don't upshlug it? It's not completely upshlugging it. Because he, we're going to see that the Medrash is going to complement the uh, the pshat and complete the pshat. Okay. What does this mean? So, there's, in addition to the problems that we mentioned at the beginning, the problems that the pshat that we mentioned at the beginning of this year, that you have one pasik that's talking with two ideas, and also that we have, uh, the beginning of the pasik is teichacha, which is really connected to last week's parsha, and the end of the pasik is, uh, is relevant to the continuation, where he's talking about the, uh, uh, his promise to the obvious and how he's going to redeem the Jewish people. There's another problem in the Pasuk. And this problem is in the Tevchen HaKsuvim. It's in the, the actual theme of the Pesukim. There's such a big issue within the theme of the Pesukim that even according to Pshat, um, there's something which, which is missing. And this is that a, even a child knows that, about the obvious, that the obvious were tested many times. And whenever they were tested, they never questioned Hashem. Avram didn't test Hashem, question Hashem by the Kedah, as we said in last week's parasha. He doesn't test it. He doesn't question Hashem when he has to buy the Mars Machpel for a lot of money. Yitzchak doesn't question Hashem by the pits, the wells. Yaakov doesn't question Hashem regarding buying the field of Shechem for Meaksita. So he knows that the Ovis don't question Hashem. 
And all of a sudden, he sees Moshe Rabbeinu is saying, Lama why are you being so evil to this people? He questions Hashem. That's shocking to the child. If it's Sadiq that's questioning Hashem. And then the Pasuk doesn't even say that Hashem replies to him. Fine, he gets a punishment, but, but it's missing the main thing. He doesn't, Hashem doesn't rebuke Moshe, saying, this is what you did wrong. You, you questioned me. We have the obvious that never questioned me, but you did. Chaval da'avdin. The child's asking the teichen, the idea of chaval da'avdin, it's a chaval, meaning is that we have the tzaddikim of early generations, knew not to question Hashem, and all of a sudden you have Moshe Benu that's questioning Hashem, and then there's no teichen, there's no rebuke, there's no open rebuke in the tzukim. Maybe it's hinted because it says, according to the Pshat, it says, but it doesn't say what the rebuke is. And that's the main thing over here. He asks such a Lamar or Isa, tells the punishment, but it misses the actual rebuke that Moshe, you did something wrong. Like by, let's say by the other time, by the main Reba, when Moshe Rabbeinu hits the rock, Hashem tells them, because you are not Makadish me, the Aini Bnei Yisrael, by hitting, by hitting the rock, instead of speaking to the rock, you're not going to be able to go into Eretz Yisrael. So it's just clearly what he did wrong. He gives them the rebuke. And here it's missing the rebuke, such an important rebuke. And the Rebbe points out that even though many times in the Torah, it doesn't tell us every single thing that occurred. Um, either because it's Pashat, let's say it says that um, Hashem gave a command to Moshe to the Bnei Yisrael. It doesn't always say, and the Bnei Yisrael fulfilled what Hashem told him. Or Moshe gave over the message. Because we know if Hashem told Moshe to give over a message, of course he gave the message. It doesn't mean it tells us every single time. There's other examples like that, that there are certain ideas which not, uh, aren't necessarily mentioned in the Torah. But over here, if this is all one conversation. This is one prophecy. Hashem tells him about his punishment. And he also answers all the questions of Lama Harei Oisa and Lama Shalachtan. He answers his questions and he gives them a punishment, but he skips out the, the rebuke. That seems very strange. And he even mentions Vidal Elikim, even, even hints to it. He says he gave him rebuke. But then it doesn't tell you what the rebuke is. Why not? That seems like a very strong kaisha. Why isn't the Torah telling us what the rebuke is? That seems like the Torah Malash and Ayra, that's one of the main purposes of the Torah, to give us the rebuke about trusting in Hashem. So therefore, the pshat says that I need the medrash, that the medrash is really answering this question. Or in other words, as the Rebbe says, is that the pshat is saying that the reason why the, the psukim are written in this way, that is in one pasik, even though it's two different ideas. It's because it's two different ideas, but also one idea. Meaning is that according to Pshat, there's really two things that Hashem is telling him over here. Hashem wasn't just telling him uh, about to answer the questions. He was telling him two things. He was telling him to answer the questions. At the same time, he was also giving him a rebuke. So the way you're supposed to read these psukim, you're supposed to read them in two ways. Because Hashem said both things to him. I don't know if Hashem said both at the same time or he said them afterwards in the Pasuk writing in a way that it can be matched by That I don't know. You have the idea of Achas, Dibur Lekim, Shtayim, Zushamati. Hashem says one thing, but there's two things that we learn from it. So also be here, I don't know, but the idea is that when Hashem is telling him both things, the pshat is telling us that it means the pshutish mikro, like I explained it, but it also means the drash. It's not two different interpretations. That one is like, like the mizdeah. One, it means uh, the uh, that the yikrula, who got the name of Kelech Yisrael, that's mizdeah. And the other interpretation is it was, uh, Yaakov got that name. No, here the pshutish mikro saying is that this is the pshat that he was giving answers to his questions. And also the pshat is, that he, at the same time, he was also rebuking him for not trusting in Hashem. Phenomenal pshat. But where do we see such a thing? Usually in Torah, we have pshat, we have drush. There's many different types. There's soy, there's remez. But each derech of Limud has its rules and its klolim. And 
it, it's it's way how it learns something. Each one, it's on its own. The shot learns the pasuk like parshin one way. Remus can learn it in a totally different way. The Kabbalah can learn it in a third way. Drush can learn it in a different way. They aren't necessarily. You can't bring machloikus and other pshat says this, and the drash is that there's an there's a stira. No, pshat understands it in one way. Drush understands the conversation in a different way. But over here, we're saying is that they're connected. So therefore, Rashi over here, this is the first time this thing has occurred. That's why Doc over here, Rashi brings. Uh, this this muscle and with this type of description because this type of Indian is the first time that we this is the first thing that we've encountered. And just to before I go weiter, just to point out that the Rebbe says that we see something al derech in Rashi that that sometimes Rashi will bring the idea of ein hamikra hazeh oimer elo darshani that the pasuk ein hamikra hazeh that this pasuk is saying that the only way to understand me is by a drasha. That sometimes we do have psukim that cannot be understood up like we can't understand it by its simple meaning. Rather, the pasik might has to be telling us a drasha, something which is a deeper interpretation uh, in, in the pasik. So we do have this idea that the pshat, when you read the pasik, it's telling you there's, there's a drasha over here. There's something which is not being said in the psukim. I mean, you need to look at the medrash to understand the psukim correctly. Meaning is that even though from the pasik, I can't mean pshat, on the other hand, I don't know from the psukim what it means, and you need an outside source. You need a the tradition, a medrash, to tell you what the psukim are telling. Usually, pshutah you could figure out from the pasuk itself what the pasuk is trying to tell us. It says the mikra saying is that you can't understand me just by reading. You need a drasha. So over there, it's it's similar, but it's not exactly the same because over there the pshut shot is the medrash. That the pshut shot is saying is that the medrash is the interpretation of the pasuk, even though sometimes. Even in those scenarios, Rashi will say, but you know, I'll try to explain it by Pshutashamikra, maybe you could explain it like you could explain it like this. Meaning is that the main shot is really the drasha, and you know, you could try to learn it in a pshatic way without the external sources, but the Enamikra means that this is the main interpretation, this is what really fits. Over here it's not that way, because over here we're saying is that the Medrash's is Yashiv Rashi clearly says it's not Mesyashiv, rather the main shot is of Shutashamikra. But he's saying is that even though the main shot is Pshut Shemikra, but nonetheless the Medrash completes, the, medrash, the Pshat is saying that there's a Medrash, and the Medrash completes what I'm trying to say. Um, and that's why he brings this muscle of the fire. He says, let's Let's look at the two ways how Rashi learns it. Rashi in Parshish Vayishlach brings the mashal that just like a hammer breaks the rock, similarly, Divrei Torah are able to be uh, divide, is Torah is able to be given nechalik to, to many. There's many interpretations to give. While over here, so he's comparing the Divrei Torah really to a rock, just like a rock, uh, a, a hammer breaks a rock to many pieces. Also, a pasuk. Can have many different types of interpretation. While over here he's comparing it to fire. What's the var? What's the difference between a hammer breaking a rock or a rock or a fire which sparks are coming out from? He says the difference is that by the rock, the pieces of the rock that break off, each one is different. You have a thick piece, you can have a thin piece, you can have a small piece, you can have a large piece. They're, they're, they're different. Each one is different, which that's the remez or really symbolic, the nimshalov is the different parts of Tyre. You have Remes, you have Drush, you have Pshat, you have Sight, different aspects, different Darkehelum, but each one has its own time, its own flavor, its own explanation uh, for a, a certain Pasuk or a certain idea. Each one is different. 
He says, but when in our Pasuk, it's comparable to a fire. A fire, sparks come from it. So when the sparks come from it, each spark is the same. It has the same, in Kamas and Echos, that's the same size, it's the same quality. It's essentially the same idea. The only difference between one spark and another is that they're in two different areas. One's on the right, one's on the left. One's right, one's left. Besides for that, it's the same, it's the same spark. It's the same type of spark, I should say. It's not the same spark. It's a different spark, but it's the same type regarding Kamas and Echos. What's the idea over there? That in our situation, they're both coming, they're both the same. They're both shot. That they're both coming from the fire and they're both shot. The only difference is that one landed up in the Torah of shot and one landed up in Torah of medrash. One landed up in the shot and the Torah of shot. The other one we, we, we get it from a medrash. But they're both really coming from the same source. They're both the same, have the same quality, have the same quantity. They're just in two different areas. Meaning that in our scenario, the pshat itself is saying that there's a medrash. The pshat itself is saying that there's a medrash. Meaning is that the medrash itself is part of the pshat of the pasik. So therefore, Rashi brings the mushal of the fire in our scenario to tell you that, that it's the same quality. Yes, one landed on in the right, one landed on the left. That's just because they're coming from different areas. One we can figure out from the psukim. The other is Rabbi Seinu Darshu. There, there's a drush in the Chachamim, how to learn these psukim. But that drasha, the teichacha, we know uh, that, that there was a teichacha in these psukim. That the pshat is telling us there was a teichacha. True, if we read the psukim without the measure, if we wouldn't have known when it says uh, that, uh, that's, for example, shmi avaya, I never told the others the, the name of uh, avaya, that wouldn't have told me that they also didn't ask. Maybe they asked, they didn't ask, we have no idea. The medrash has to tell us that they didn't ask. That's not in the psukim. But the pshat is telling us that that's being said. You have to look at the Medrash, and the Medrash is telling us that that's being said. So over here, they're both coming from the same fire, and the same fire is making these two pshatim, which are both on the level of pshat, but one is being brought from the, through the dark element of Medrash, and the other pshat is being brought from the dark element of pshat. When we go to Parshas Vayishlach, Parshas Vayishlach, it's more comparable to a rock, because each one, is, it's a totally different interpretation. One is pshat, and we only know it by, by using the dark pshat, and the other one is a medrash, and we know it from the Chachamim. Over there, it's not Mesiyashiv, Acher Mikra, or Acher the Toichen of the Mikra. By us, as we said, it's, there's many reasons, it's not completely Mesiyashiv, Acher Mikra, but within the Psukim itself, it's somewhat Mesiyashiv, because again, it answers the two issues that we had with the Pshutish and Mikra, Pshad Rashi. So it is somewhat Mesiyashiv, Acher Mikra. There are proofs in the Mikra that that's what the Pasuk talks about. And furthermore, the Toichen of the Ksuvim is a proof that, that this occurred, that there was a Toichen that occurred, that Hashem is telling Moshe that you're doing something wrong. The Psukim ourselves, we could learn out from Pshat that what would Hashem have told them that you're not like the others, you should have believed. That's a Pshat we could figure out on our own that Hashem told us that. What were the words Hashem used? How Hashem said it? That we might not know. But that's that He gave a Toichen that, that for sure, that we would figure out on our own. That's a Pshat. That's meaning simple interpretation. When we go into the Mizbeach, the second interpretation of the Medrash, that Hashem called Yaakov God, where, what does that have to do with the Teichen HaKesubim, that he built the Mizbeach? Built the Mizbeach, and then Yaakov, that's nothing to do with the Teichen HaKesubim. So the Teichen HaKesubim is not being Machriach, that, that, that interpretation. It's not part of the Teichen HaKesubim. And even Mitzad, the Lashen HaMikra, it's not, doesn't fit, except for there's one issue. There's one issue in that Pasuk. Before some say it, it should have said like a uh, like kale, 
it sounds like God called, like, sounds like, it sounds like God called someone Yisrael. Should have said, should have had the extra word Yaakov. So, you know, so there's different ways of explaining it. Does it mean that Yaakov was called Kale? Yaakov was called something else Kale? Fine. There, there is a problem in the Pusik. But besides for that one problem, which demands that, that therefore we need to bring the Medrash to explain that issue, besides for that, it's not Mishyashid Acher Mikra, and it's definitely not Mishyashid Acher the Teuchen of the Ksuvim. Mashin came by us again, and it's definitely Mishyashid Acher Teuchen. I think that's the, and that's really the main stretch of the Rebbe's thing. That Mitzah the Teuchen of Ksuvim, this is something which is Mokrach. And in addition, it's also Mishyashid in many ways after the Mikra. Not completely, but in many ways. And that's why we here we use the Lashon. Therefore, therefore, we hear the Mashin of the fire, the fire having many sparks, Mashin came there. It's a rock which divides into many things because it's really two totally different ways of Limud, and they're not really uh, connected to each other. We're, we, we're not knowing the Medrash through the dark gap shot. It's, it's not the Teichen Aksuvin or, or some way that's forcing this particular shot. Yes, there's an issue in the Pasuk, but, that, but there's no hypothesis or proof that the Medrash is the right shot. You, you look at the Pasuk, maybe there's a third or fourth shot. There's no proof on the Pasuk that that it means Hashem's calling Yaakov. There's no proof for that. It's a Medrash. There's a problem with the passing, and based on the Medrash, we can't have an answer. But there's, but there's no hypothesis that that is the interpretation. Right? Again, so there might be a remiss to it, but that's not, a, that's not the same as that must be the interpretation. There's that, that the only job that makes sense. Masha'inkin over here, we're saying is that from the Tehichim that's looking itself, there must have been a Tehichim. From the Pshat of the Pshatim itself, we know that this is, must have been there. Therefore, it's a different level of, of, um, of Achtus between the Pshat and the Medrash. Therefore, Rashi brings a Dafko over here. This Mashal, not earlier on, because he's trying to, and that's why Rashi brings both the Purushim, because they're both necessary and both are complementing each other and completing each other, and that answers all the questions on the Sicha. And then the Rebbe finishes off that we could see the supported idea of Aftas, which is in Taira. The Aftas in Taira, usually, you know, you can have many reasons of Taira, and each one fits, each one complements each other, but not that one demands the other, that from Pshat, it's Mechriyach what the Pshat and Medjush would be, or the or the Medrash is Mechriyach, this must be the Pshat and the Pasuk. No, each one has its own way of learning. Uh, each one, he says, it could be, if you look in Kabbalah, one could be from different, one's from Ayla Matzilos, one's from Ayla Bria, Yetzirah, Asiya. Each one has its own way of looking, and it could even be that one, each one comes from the next one. But it's not that one tells you what the next interpretation is, or that it's Mechriyach, this must be the interpretation in this other way of learning Torah. Here it does. And this is also the idea of, uh, of Hasidus and Nigla. That many times in Nigla, the Nigla itself says that you need to learn the Pneumus of Torah to understand the Pshat in this area. Uh, for example, the Rebbe brings that many times in the Torah it says, Yad Hashem, Etzba Elikim. What does it mean that there's a hand, there's a finger? You need Pneumus of Torah to explain to you what these things mean. That the Pshat is saying, the Pshat of the Torah itself, that we know that Hashem doesn't have a body, so why is it saying these types of Lashinus? So the Pshat itself is saying there must be a spiritual reasoning behind this. It must be symbolic of something which is higher. Uh, than Pshat could tell you. Right? So it must be a Pneumistic Pshat. It must be a Yon Al Pikabola, why these things are called a Yad, a Etzba, but Al Pshat, we don't know because Hashem doesn't have a body. So the, so the Pshat is telling you that there must be something which is more. And similarly, Hasidus needs Nigla. Or Hasidus, many times, will tell you the Pshat in a Pasik. Uh, he brings from, he doesn't give any examples, but he says that many times in Kisbe Arizal, it gives you a Pashat Pshat in a Pasik. What does that mean that the Rizal is giving you? the simple interpretation of the Pasuk, that means is that Mitzad, the beer of Hasidus, or the beer of Kabbalah, that based on the Pshat, that the Rizal is talking about over there, that this beer of Kabbalah, therefore, the Pshat and the Pasuk, must be this way. 
that the Kabbalah is saying this is the Pshat and the Pasuk. Simple interpretation of the Pasuk. I know in other places, I can't think of it, examples, that many times, like we have a Pasuk, that Pshute Shemikra says you're not supposed to read it like, a, like literally. Like we have that also in English, you know, uh, like once in a blue moon. It's not meant literally a, a blue moon. It means something which is uncommon. They have many expressions like that. So also, Lashon HaKadosh and Pesukim, you have expressions. That doesn't mean literally what, what it's being said. It just means, uh, like for example, it says um, that the walls, when the, the, the walls of the cities of, uh, of uh, some of the nations there, Israel, they were as high as, uh, the, the walls went all the way to heavens. It was high as the heavens. So Pshutta Shemikra doesn't mean it literally, it just means it was very high. It doesn't literally to the heavens. That's impossible. It means it was high. He says, but if you look at Kabbalah, it's talking about how it is in the higher Olamis. The higher Olamis, the spiritual idea of the Chaimis, uh, of the walls of Trinidad Yisrael, is an Indian which is symbolic of an Indian, you know, whatever that means, of something that reaches the heavens. Therefore, down here on earth, it also is very high. So physically, there's a limit, but it's um, an expression. But, but the point is that Apikbola, it means literal. That Kabbala, that it literally reached the heavens. And therefore, Apikshat, it means that it's very high. That's my own example. Uh, maybe not the best example, but the idea is that from Kabbalah you could it, it demands a certain uh, pshat. So um, that probably wasn't the best example because it's not really demanding a pshat that it means high that you would have either way. But there's other psukim that sometimes you might not learn in accordance to the simple translation. But after Kabbalah, when you understand the kabbalistic meaning behind it, then you can say, oh, it means literally. It literally means the walls were to the heavens in the spiritual uh, sense that the walls were to heaven, or their spiritual protection of these nations. They had a spiritual protection that was up, up high in, in, until the heavens. Um, and therefore, they didn't have to somehow destroy that spiritual protection that they had.